0: Hey there, it's Alex. Just a really quick announcement before we get started here. We were totally booked out for our Cost of Glory Rome retreat this summer, 2024, June 30th through July 7th. But we've managed to make some adjustments and we've found room for another one or two slots. So if you're interested in visiting the great sites of Rome, discussing the merits of Rome's greatest men with me, and also improving as a speaker with the insights of ancient rhetoric and a whole lot of live practice and discussion, check out the retreat website at costofglory.com retreat. Hope to see you in Rome. Okay, now for the episode. How do we persuade the gods to get on our side? If you're undertaking something really worthwhile, where a lot of money or honor or victory is at stake, there's almost always going to be an element of the success of it that isn't in your control. Of course, we try to make sure that the majority of our focus is on what is in our control, like Sertorius would, like Lysander would, like Marcus Aurelius would. And that's good to do, and everything I'm about to say assumes that you're already doing that. But part of your success will be in God's hands, in the hands of what you might call fortune. You eye the target 100 yards away, pull and fire your arrow, and a gust of wind blows through right at the moment you release. Your aim was perfect, you miss the bullseye. You land a meeting with the decision maker that you're trying to convince. You rehearse. You make the perfect pitch. He seems like he's having a great time. You bond over your mutual love of jazz banjo. And then he ghosts you. What happened to your luck from last week? You wonder, maybe God doesn't want you to succeed. How do we fix this? Well, after you've practiced and trained and done everything in your power to make it work, you're not done yet. You have to believe the gods will it to be so. What do we mean? Well, consider Timotheus. Timotheus was an Athenian general. He was very successful. He was blessed to be the son of a great Athenian naval commander, Conan, one of the few generals who managed to escape Lysander's crushing death blow to the Athenian navy at Aegospotami. And Timotheus was winning and winning. He was glorious and successful, the envy of all the Athenians. And so his political enemies, back at home, decided to mess with him. They had a painting made of Timotheus sleeping peacefully under a tent while the goddess Tyche, that is, the goddess Fortune personified, well, she was in the background herding several Greek cities into a lobster trap. Greek cities that Timotheus had proudly captured for the Athenians. The painting implied that Timotheus was nothing special, that all his successes were mere good luck. When Timotheus was shown the painting, he brushed off the insult with a quip. He laughed and he said, well, if I can capture cities while I'm asleep, imagine what I can do when I'm awake. But inside, Timotheus seethed with indignation How could they fail to recognize his brilliance? They were robbing him of the glory that properly belonged to him, and they were giving it to the goddess instead. Later, he returned home from a military mission abroad where he had an impressive victory, and he sarcastically said to the Athenians In this campaign, at least, men of Athens, fortune has no share. But after that, the goddess apparently decided that she was no longer needed. And from that time on, Timotheus achieved nothing brilliant, but bungled all his enterprises, continually offending important dignitaries, becoming irksome to his fellow citizens. He was eventually banished from Athens. Timotheus brought a sort of curse on himself by his own arrogance. His blustering overconfidence was really a mask for his insecurity. Deep down, he started questioning whether he was really good enough, or whether it was all just the work of the gods. As if that question were really important. His anxiety dulled his instincts and clouded his judgment, and he lost his touch. The fool, his very name, means honored by the gods. Why kill the golden goose? Contrast Sulla Felix, Sulla the Fortunate, whose story we will tell very shortly on this podcast, Sulla ascribed all of his success to the gods. He believed deeply in his heart both that he was heaven's favorite and that he was truly the best. He saw no contradiction between the two. And this humility of a sort, this confidence in his blessedness, gave him tremendous and unpredictable boldness to rise to the top of the Roman state and dare unspeakably forceful acts see them succeed, and he remained on top. There are good reasons for the old folk wisdom that you should not host an unlucky man in your house. People bring bad luck upon themselves sometimes, often precisely by questioning whether they are lucky or not. They can easily bring it upon you, too. Now, this is bad advice for gambling or speculating on racehorses or stocks, but a very useful principle in human affairs Take whatever power or powers you believe are ultimately responsible for governing the universe and believe that this power is favoring your purpose. If you find it impossible to believe that, maybe it's your purpose that needs to be adjusted or at least reframed. You won't be able to fool yourself into confidence if there's a glaring contradiction. But faith is not the same thing as logical certainty. And you shouldn't expect that, either. And, if you don't believe any power greater than you affects your destiny, well, it could hardly hurt to find one now. Stay strong, stay ancient. This is Alex Petkus. Until next time.